The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated. Uh, if you would allow me a moment of personal privilege before we go into the message, I wanted to just update you on a couple of things in the life of our church. Uh, first of all, the church, the elders have uh, given me a sabbatical. So this summer, I've got, before the summer kicks in, I have this sermon, and then next week will be my uh, last week before the sabbatical starts. And so just keep me in your prayers and keep the church in your prayers. We're excited. I'm very grateful for this. Uh, Three areas of focus that I will be submitting a detailed plan to the elders, and they will walk with me uh, over the summer. Uh, One is just personal refreshment. And number two is uh, personal professional development, growing as a pastor, as a leader, involving uh, different reading materials, going and visiting other churches and other pastors. Um, And then uh, finally, number three is there somewhere, and my brain is not getting it, past uh, personal development, spiritual leadership, oh, vision for the church. Obviously, it's needed because uh, I can't remember the point. But uh, a five-year vision for the church is kind of where I am asking, Lord, what does the next season look like and preparing for that as well. So keep us in your prayers. Pray that the Lord will uh, be with those who will be teaching the word. Uh, I mentioned all the names last week except for one. I left out Jonathan Nida, who is uh, going to be preaching as well. We've got Jonathan Nida, Dr. David Gouge, who is an elder. you got Kevin Wilsey, who's on staff. you got Jared Clary, who's on staff. you got David Hamm who is an elder. you got Bill Cunningham, who is a member. And you have Kyle Jaggers, who is a church planner, who was on staff and was a member down in New Orleans. Did I get everybody or did I miss someone again? David Elston, who came through our church planting center and now is starting a new biblical uh, counseling uh, ministry in town. So you get to hear from all these guys. And uh, we just pray that the Lord will use them. And I know he will. And the Lord's going to do great things. All my friends are like, what are you going to do if the church like blows up and explodes and all kinds of great things happen? I was like, they might give me like another 10 week sabbatical if it goes that well. So uh, uh, second point, guests, forgive us. I brought all my guests. Thank you all for coming. I've been out knocking on doors all weekend and they all came. Thank you for coming. But I did not invite you here to ask for money. Other guests, I did not. We, your, whoever brought you here did not invite you here to ask you for money. So if you'd like to tune out for a second, feel free. Uh, regular attenders and members, we want to just keep you updated with our building program. We are uh, in a, God has blessed us, crazy blessed us with people. We just keep having more people coming and more opportunities to preach the word and disciple and children. So every single ministry in our church is out of space. A couple of weeks ago, this room had 221 people. Problem is, there's only 200 seats. And so we're thankful for that issue. Uh, the children's ministry is out of space. The student ministry is out of space. So we praise God for that. We have not lost focus. We are still not about building our kingdom. We're all about building God's kingdom, preaching the gospel, teaching the word to the next generation and to our church family that will be holy lives that display glory to God. When you drove up, you probably saw how nice this looks. We just recently, by God's provision, were able to purchase this property. That, that house is going to be converted into offices because your staff does not have offices. And uh, we're going to expand the children's ministry square foot out here. We, our master plan has a new worship center planned over there. Lots of new stuff going on. If you've got $5 million, you can cut me a check today and I don't stop talking. 
I see no hands, so I'll keep talking. Uh, it, $5 million will finish the master plan. We've looked at our budget. We praise God that we have done everything that you've seen by his enablement, done it debt-free. And so we are debt-free. Well, we did a borrow early on for three years, paid that off. We are debt-free and have been for many years. And now we, we believe that our budget will easily support $1.5 million. So we need to raise $3.5 million. And so once we've got $3.5 million, we'll finish the master plan. So we're asking our uh, regular attenders and members to go onto the website and click on pledge. And you can let us know how much you feel the Lord's led you to give over and above your regular tithes and offerings. Our regular tithes and offerings are set. The budget's based on that. So over and above that, how much can you pledge toward the $3.5 million need? And uh, when June 11th rolls around, I'll come up here and give you a report at the end of that service, at the 10 o'clock service, and just tell you where we are, and we'll decide whether we, what the game plan is going forward, whether we're going to have to take a smaller bite or whether we can go for the whole uh, master plan. And we'll just give you all the details. But we believe in just open, transparent communication, sometimes more than you probably want to know, but we just like to tell you what's going on. So make your pledge June 11th after this late service. Come, and we'll update everyone and give us a, a game plan going forward. All right, any questions, hold them, ask me later if you have any. All right, now let's go to the Word of God. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Joshua. Open your phones and turn on your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23. And um, we are looking at the next to last chapter of Joshua. As you know, most of the time we are working through books of the Bible. And I was looking the other day and it's just amazing, it's exciting, it's encouraging to see how many books of the Bible we have worked through. And now we have one more lesson, one more chapter in uh, Joshua next week. So where are we in the story? Well, uh, we are at the point where Joshua is 110 years old. He is an old man and they are not politically correct in the scriptures. It says, you're old, Joshua, and you're going to go die soon. So it's very blunt in the Bible. So we know what happens at the end of life. Oftentimes we get reflective. We start thinking about what's gone on in our life. We start thinking about our children and our grandchildren and what will happen, what will they do when I am no longer around. And that's what Joshua is doing. We can see clearly from the chapter that we look at today that Joshua is contemplating his death. He's contemplating what will happen with the next generation as he goes on to be with the Lord. And these words in chapter 23 represent his last words. And in the next chapter, these two chapters represent Joshua's last words. And as we know, uh, last words are very precious. I just recently, on Mother's Day, my mom went home to be with the Lord. And we were blessed as a family. I have two brothers that we got to be with her because it was such that we knew it was happening. And she was able to call us all. And we spent a lot of precious time with her and hearing last thoughts. And we shared great stories and laughed together. But... The coolest thing she was able to do, her last words to each one of us was, I love you. And those are precious. I mean, I was talking to my brothers this week and we're like, literally her last words, not to a group, one by one. And when she finally said that, she went to be with the Lord after she told all of us, I love you. Last words are precious. And here we are with Joshua and we we have his last words. He's sharing with us, with Israel, his last thoughts and We see what's going on in his mind. And if you have an opportunity to share 
someone your last thoughts before they're maybe is going off to college. I also, not much going on in my life right now. I also, also have a daughter going off to college. And I'm thinking, what have we trained her to do? And I have one resounding thought. Nothing. Everything I should have done, I've failed. We've done nothing. Can you cook? Can you clean? Can you wash? Can you do anything? And she's an amazing child. I'm telling you, not because of her, but because of us. Is This is what you feel like as you're sitting them out of the nest. And do you actually have wings? Can you fly? And so we're at that stage where what do we do for them? And so we're looking at uh, making getting a job and do you know how to email someone and speak with courtesy and professionalism and these kind of things uh, and not text them. But, you know, so we're working on these things as they go off to college. Last words are, are precious. So if you have an opportunity to give last words to someone, maybe you're moving out of town. What would you want to say to them? Yeah, think of how hard it is to encapsulate so many important thoughts into what you would say to them. I would encapsulate what Joshua says to Israel in these last words as this, and this is one of the verses in the text, and and the heart of the message is cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. As I thought about that, what does that mean to cling to the Lord? We we often think about when, when we see someone clinging, what are some examples of when you see a person clinging to another person? And what does that tell us about that? What do we see when someone's clinging to someone? I think right now there might be some back there clinging to mom. I don't want to go. And it's not because they're doing anything harmful to the children. It's because there's a sense of security with mom that the child has. There's a sense of safety and, and peace and comfort. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a sense of rest with the parent, that if I leave this, I have to go and face a new, a new area, new people, and new things that I'm not comfortable with. And so clinging oftentimes presents the idea of, of safety and security and comfort and peace. What's another example of clinging that happens in relationships? As I thought about it this week, I thought about with my wife. If, if we are going to be apart, maybe going on a mission trip to to South Sudan as we do, and it's 10 long days, there's a lot of clinging that happens. Or if there's something that is an anxiety, that causes anxiety, there's a closeness that develops that we we cling to one another that comes with that loving intimacy of of just enjoying being with each other and the comfort and the love that comes and that's represented by that clinging in in a marriage. And so Joshua says to Israel, I'm about to go and... And go to be with the Lord. And I just want you to remember one thing. When you get into this new land that that God has done so many incredible things to, to set up for us and nestled us into this new land. Just always cling to the Lord your God. And don't cling to anyone or anything else. Lord, I ask for your help this morning as we open up your your sacred writings that your spirit has inspired and that your spirit enables us to understand and to comprehend the spiritual truths uh, that lie therein. Lord, that you want to apply to our hearts. Lord, would you help us to cling to you in the days ahead? And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
So as Joshua gathers the people, here's the scene in verse 1. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, their heads, their judges, their officers. And he said to them, I'm old, advanced in years. And we see what he says is in chapter 24, it says he dies and he was 110 years old. So we know that Joshua is 110 year old and he's at his last words. And what does he say? He's going to break it down into three different pieces. First of all, he has some reminders for them. He's going to remind them of all that God has done. Secondly, he's going to have the commands for them. And the heart of that command is cling only to the Lord. And then finally, he has some warnings for them. Reminders of how awesome God is so that you would cling to him, cling to him. And if you don't, let me warn you of what happens. In essence, that's what he does in his final words. Let's look first at the reminders in verse 3. He says, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. Now let's pause there and get the setting in our mind. Now, those of you who haven't been with us, what we've seen in the story of the Bible is God promised Abraham, you're going to have a mighty nation. I'm going to use them to bring glory to myself. They're going to be enslaved in Egypt to this wicked ruler. And I'm going to raise up a ruler, Moses, to draw them out and lead them across the Red Sea. I'm going to make a covenant with them. I'm going to plant them in this new land, the land of promise, land that I promised Abraham. I'm going to use them to glorify me to all the nations. And I'm going to draw the nations to myself through my people. Moses got them to the edge of the land. And that's the first five books of your Bible. And then he hands the baton of leadership to Joshua. And he says, now you take my people, take God's people into this land. And so Joshua has done so. And so now they're at the end of Joshua's life. The first half of Joshua has been conquering the enemies of God. God has done incredible things. He even threw hailstones down from heaven and killed the armies that were resisting. God is clearly the one who has been fighting for Israel, conquering the enemies of his people and giving them this land. The second half of Joshua has been Israel taking allocation of their inheritance and inheritance inheritance that God promised them, an inheritance that God earned for them, an inheritance that God secured through his own power and his own might through this chosen leader. He has given it to them and they had to learn to allocate it to take possession of their inheritance. And now Joshua at this end of his life says, I've got to remind them of all these incredible things that God has done. He says, you have seen All that the Lord your God did to all these nations. And he did it because of you. You don't hear that often. Don't you usually hear he did it because he promised Abraham. Certainly that's true. But in this case, Joshua wants them to know God did this for you. God loves you. And he's done all of this for you. For the Lord your God is He who has been fighting for you. The Lord's been fighting for you. The Lord loves you. The Lord has been opposing anyone who would oppose you. The Lord has given you victory. God did this for you. 
Children, don't think that we did this. Joshua is saying, God did this. Then in verse 4, see, Joshua says, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes. He reminds them of this great, glorious inheritance that God has set up for them. You see, there's this strange thing going on in Joshua that over and over it says, God conquered the enemies and God gave you the land, but they still live in a land filled with the nations who worship false gods. And so it's this mixture of living in the land surrounded by those who are not worshipers of God. And so he says, listen, God has promised to continue to drive them out. In the scriptures, it tells us he didn't do it all at once because it would be overrun with wild animals and it was better for them that he gradually removed them from the land. And so Joshua says, hey, God has done amazing things for you and God promises he's going to finish the process. Don't ever lose faith in God's promises for you. In verse 5, he says, The Lord your God, He will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you, and you will possess their land just as the Lord God promised you. You can trust the Lord. In Deuteronomy 4, 9, Moses told Joshua, warned Joshua, when you go in the land, he said this, he said, Give heed to yourself. And keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen. And that they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. And so that's what Joshua's doing. He's saying, I'm about to go and I'm about to be with the Lord. But listen, be careful to never forget what the Lord has done. You've seen it with your own eyes and make sure your sons and your grandsons and your great-grandsons know what God has done. Are we doing the same thing in our families? Are we doing the same things in our church? Are we passing on the glorious faithfulness of God? As I thought about this week, I thought, I'm not sure my kids can even tell you my testimony. Could my kids tell you if you say, hey, when was your dad, when did he get saved? What happened? I don't know that I've passed that on. Have I shared with them all the miracles, all the great things that God, have I brought them along just telling the stories of how faithful God has been? This journey of planting the church, do they know the stories of God's faithfulness. Being at this time of of preparing memorial service with my mom, it really was a time of remembering and bringing family together and telling stories of, of God's miraculous provision over the years. Are you telling the stories of what God has done in your life? Will your kids be able to tell their kids of the miracles of God in your life? You say, well, what has God done for me? I don't really have a great story. Are you kidding me? If you are a child of God, if you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you have a great story to tell. The story of how God got victory over your sin. 
how God set you free from enslavement and bondage to addictions to sin. That it, God did that. You didn't do it by your religion. You didn't do it by your works. You didn't do it by your merits. God did that. Are you telling your family what God has done for you? Just like God gave them victory over their enemies, God has given you victory over sin and Satan. Just like God gave them an inheritance, God has given you an inheritance. All the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places are yours by faith in Christ. The righteousness of God has been given to you by your union, your faith union with Christ. You have a wonderful story to tell of God's faithfulness. Psalm 78, the psalmist says, I will utter sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, and we will not conceal them from their children, but to tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. Part of clinging to the Lord generation after generation is stopping the madness. The madness of homework, of sport practice, of entertainment, of sleepovers, of all the madness. Stop long enough to tell the stories of how God has done amazing things in your life. We must never forget to remind the generations behind us of the faithfulness of God. So he reminds them in hopes that reminding them will kindle again the flame that they will cling to him once again and never cling to anything else. And that leads us to the commands. In verses 6 through 11, we see the commands. He says, be very firm then to keep... And do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. That was their Bible. Be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in your Bible. And then a whole bunch of so that's. And then look at verse 11. So, here's the command. Take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. And right in the middle of all that, verse 8. Cling to the Lord your God. So what what do we see when we put all this together? Be very careful to, to know and obey the Bible. For this is how you will cling to the Lord. So this is how you will know the Lord. This is how you will love the Lord. This has been the theme of the book of Joshua from the very first verses. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, verse 7, he said, Be careful. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua himself. He said, Be careful to do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. So what pulls all this together is understanding that the God that God wants you to cling to is revealed in the scriptures. He's not a God that we invent of our own desires. He's not a God that looks like the gods of this world. He is the one true God. And you get to know him first as creator. 
And then he is the God of Abraham. And he's the God of Isaac. And he's the God of Jacob. And he's the God that promised to take these people, the descendants of Abraham, into the promised land. And how did that go? And they didn't do well. But what did God do? He was faithful. He was faithful. He did miracle after miracle. And in the middle of the wisdom literature, we sing praises and psalms and glory about the wisdom of God and the way he has worked among his people. And everything failed. The covenant failed because of the people's unfaithfulness. But praise God. Jesus shows up. And Jesus is the greater Moses. He's the greater Joshua. He's the greater sacrifice who entered the greater temple, who laid his own life down for God to give us a greater covenant, the new covenant. And by his blood, he fulfills all the promises of God for us. And by faith in him, we inherit the righteousness of God and we have a coming inheritance the day that Christ returns and ushers in his final kingdom. Do we know God? This is not like a fortune cookie. Too many times we don't learn how to read the Bible. We, we treat the Bible like a fortune cookie as, oh, well, that was a good idea for today. And praise God, he uses our stupidity and he's gracious to do things like that. But the way this is to be used is to reveal who God is, what he's done the inheritance that is yours in Christ and what he has promised is to come. That is the only way that we will cling to him and not cling to anyone else or anything else that the world has to offer. And so the command that Moses, that Joshua says is be very firm to keep and do and know this book so that you will cling to him so that you will heed, take heed, diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. Are we studying the scriptures like that? I can tell you the curriculum back there is. In fact, the only complaint I've ever heard about our curriculum is, this is too deep. And we're like, good. If that's your complaint, we'll live with that one. We'll try to make it where we can handle it better. Little secret sauce. Don't tell anybody. But when we ask people to teach back there, we know one of the greatest benefits is they're learning great curriculum. They're learning the word as they teach the word. But are we doing this in our own lives? Do we know the God of the Bible in such a way that we would know how much he loves us, how faithful he is, that we would cling to him? And are we passing that on to the next generation? Finally, he gives them warnings. He's he's started out with, Man, remember how awesome God is. Remember how much He loves you. Remember what He's done for you. Cling to Him. That's the carrot, but now the stick. Verse 12. If you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you and intermarry with them, if you ever intermarry with them and and get tied up with these nations who worship these false gods so that you associate with them... And they with you, verse 13, know with certainty. This is not a question. This is not a suggestion. This is not, this may happen. Know this with certainty, he says, that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you. They will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land 
which the Lord your God has given you. It's not in question, Joshua is saying. If you go after these other gods, it will be ugly. Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and all your soul, not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you, not one of them has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. It shall come about that just as, this is the double-edged sword of God's faithfulness, that just as all the good words which the Lord God spoke about, which the God spoke to you have come upon you, just as all the good things He promised has come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until He has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and you go serve other gods and you bow down to them, the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you will perish quickly from off the good land which He has given you. The double-edged sword of God's faithfulness is God keeps His promises, period. His promises to strongly support you when you are aligned with Him and to strongly oppose you when you are not. And he says, you have seen all God's faithfulness. He has never broken a promise. And that includes that if you oppose him, he will strongly oppose you. Now, that's why we see in the verses ahead that I skipped over all the so that's. Why it's so important to be in the word to know God, to know His power, to know His glory, to know how much He loves you, to know what He says, that you can escape that strong opposition of the Lord. It is not that He wants to do that, but you must choose to come and align yourself and be a loyal subject of Him. God says, I am for you. I don't want to be against you. And He says, Be very firm to study the word so that you may not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Verse 7, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you. And that you will not mention their gods and you will not swear by their gods and you will not serve them and you will not bow down to them. He says, I want you to be successful. I want you to be faithful. I want you to know me and love me and cling to me. But don't forget. Don't mistake my kindness for weakness. If you oppose me, I will destroy you. And that's exactly what happened. They got into the land. You only have to read right after Joshua 23. We come 24. Judges 1, Judges 2. Here's what Judges 2 says. Angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham and he said... I brought you, this is the Lord speaking to Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt, I led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall not, you shall make no covenants with the inhabitants of this land, you shall tear down their altars, their false worship, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will become as thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. In other words, just like I promised you, 
I'm doing what I promised. And when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the nations, of, to all the sons of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and they wept. God is faithful to his promises. Both the promise of strongly supporting this, his people and the promise of strongly opposing anyone who opposes them. Praise God that he is a God of grace and mercy. And in Christ, we become victorious over sin and Satan. And we are members of a greater covenant that Christ enacted by his blood, his perfection. He absorbs the wrath of God for our failures. He takes the punishment we deserve for our tendencies to go after other gods. But he fills us with his spirit and he changes our heart and he gives us new desires, desires to worship him and him alone. And so if you find in yourself, you are okay with chasing after other gods, okay with clinging to the things of this world for safety, security, comfort, hope, for love, then you should be afraid because that is not consistent with the new nature of Christians. That God has changed us. And we do not cling to this world or the things of this world. We cling only to Christ. And so there is a warning here that is a parting shot across the bow as Joshua is dying. And he says, remember how much God loves you and how good he is. Cling to him alone. And if you don't, you should be very afraid because God opposes those who stand against him. Are we passing that on to our kids? Are we... Owning that for ourselves. Let's stop the madness. Memorial Day weekend. We're not going to have much to do because it's pouring down rain. So tell some stories. I was sitting at Lake Claiborne with some friends last night. Of course, I'm sitting here thinking about all this. And I start telling stories. I'm sure they're like, what are you, what, you gotta, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, you know, what a great opportunity to redeem some time sitting around with friends. With your kids, tell some stories about God's faithfulness, about what God's done in your life. Maybe share a favorite Bible story, but make sure we're stopping the madness and telling the next generation of God's faithfulness, promoting their love for Christ, clinging to Christ, and warning them of the dangers of doing the opposite. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you for your faithfulness to us as we are reminded by Joshua in these scriptures that you have saved us from our sin. You have absorbed the wrath of God that we rightly deserved for our worshiping of false gods and rebelling and turning against you. You have graciously pursued us with mercy and grace and you have sought after us to save us and love us and die for us. Lord, you are so good and so worthy of our praise. Lord, may we cling to you with all of our heart and see within you that you are the source of safety and comfort and satisfaction. You are who we should cling to, the one that loves us, and may we love you in return. And may we heed the warnings that if we do not find ourselves clinging to you, but clinging to any other false gods, there are serious prices to pay. And may you get all the glory for all that's said and done this morning and in lives ahead. May we go tell our children about you. In Christ's name we pray.
Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.